Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we just believe prayer changes stuff, and we believe that when the Holy Spirit comes, like, he's going to move, but, like, we don't have because we don't ask. You know, Jesus says that. He says, you have not because you ask not. And I think just sometimes that our ask is weak, and I know my ask sometimes is weak, or I'll ask, but then I do something other than what is really, like, you know, what I'm really asking for. And so um, I just encourage you to sign up for that prayer thing. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up to do an hour, and I'm going to just, uh, just want to encourage you, let, let, let's be a church that just goes for it. Let's have, you know, it'd be awesome if like 48 people signed up and we each did a half hour, or if 100 people showed up and like, you know, whatever that uh, divides down to. But just, um, yeah, let's sign up for that. We'll watch that video next week on the prayer canopy. Um, and also, we're going to do something a little spontaneous, not completely, because it's three weeks from now, but we're going to do baptisms on Super Bowl Sunday on February 13th. So if, you, if, if you're new to the faith, or maybe you were baptized as a baby, or maybe you're just like, man, I, I want to go all in with Jesus, that'd be a great day to just uh, jump right in. Uh, literally, you can jump in. There's water there. It's only three feet, so don't like dive head first or anything, but, but we're going to be doing that. And so, um, yeah, I'd love for you to sign up um, on the website or talk to Amber or someone on staff or talk to us afterwards. Um, so I'm going to just jump right in. Today I'm going to be taught, we're in Mark chapter 2 and 3. We're in our uh, series on Mark called Things Can Change. And one of the really interesting things that we see a lot is in, in the Old Testament is Sabbath is a big part of Jewish people's lives. And I would say even now to people that are Christians, those of you that might be uh, regular churchgoers that, you know, Sunday is a big part of your life. Their Sabbath was Saturday. And, but Sabbath is a big part of their life, but it was even more so, and we're going to read how Jesus um, kind of a, uh, comes at the Sabbath. And if you got a Bible, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 3, 6. Once again, on Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. They did that, picked it because they were hungry. The Pharisee said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what uh, David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the, in the, days, in the, days, of, sorry, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, and David and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is only lawful for priests to eat. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man but man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. And we started off in Mark chapter one talking about that Jesus is showing us things can, can change. And, and Mark, one of the running themes is Mark presents Jesus as both Savior and Lord. And that Lordship piece is very important because I think in our culture, we've lost a lot of the Lordship piece. Like I don't think a lot of Christians take obedience seriously. I don't think a lot of Christians take obedience seriously. I mean, if we look around, the divorce rate amongst Christians is just as high as it is in the world. I have a lot of friends that are, uh, that are single again and, or have been single, and they, they get divorced, and they sleep around just like they're non-Christian people. Like, God cares deeply about our sexuality. God cares deeply about our habits. Like, the Bible says you can drink, but it says you shouldn't get drunk. And I know a lot of Christians that just like, oh, they joke about getting drunk. 
And so it's not about what we can do. Like Jesus says, hey, you can celebrate Sabbath, but it's not meant to be a bondage. So even good things can be a bondage, right? So a lot of these things like, you know, sex, about, um, about alcohol, about recreation, all these things, our culture goes the other way. We're a society of workaholics and pleasure seekers, kind of a strange dichotomy. And so we take those real serious, but I think a lot of Christians, if you hit pause and you tell people to pause, like Sabbath is really hard. And we're like, oh, that was something back then. Oh, he doesn't mean that. He doesn't really mean he wants me to give to the church. He doesn't really mean, I mean, I got a lot of debt. Or man, he doesn't really, like, obedience to Jesus matters because he's a king. He's a king. And Mark is expressing that. So Jesus is saying, well, David did this. So to these Pharisees, they're going to think, well, David was the king. And Jesus saying that, I'm letting my disciples pick heads of grain on the Sabbath too, because I'm a king. In the Jewish culture, they knew that the king who would rise up, this uh, savior, uh, the savior Messiah, would be from the house of David, that he'd be akin to the kingship of David. He'd be a son of David, they called him. And then we're going to read on, on the next part. We're gonna, this is kind of um, two stories that run together that tell the same thing, but they show both sides of the coin. It says, he again, chapter 3, verse 1, entered the synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. I mean, he had probably a, a, a short arm, a withered hand. You've seen people like that, maybe... That's you. Maybe, you know, like Jesus saw this guy, and it said that Jesus would do very obvious things. Like, why are the Pharisees watching Jesus and these guys in the field? On the Sabbath, they're not even supposed to be close to the field. Right? Thank you, Max McLean. Um, um, So, like, why are they even watching? But again, Jesus walks into the synagogue probably on another day or maybe right after that. And it says, and there was a man whose hand was withered. And they were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. So they, so they, so they might accuse him. Are, are any of you, have you ever been that person where maybe you're watching your kids waiting to see if they're gonna screw up? Or maybe you're watching like another Christian to see if they're gonna do something sinful or maybe you're just watching for that other shoe to drop. Like, like are you a watcher just kind of waiting for it all to fall apart sometimes? That's what Jesus was up against here. That's what Jesus was up against here. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and began conspiring against him how they might destroy him. So Jesus just represented he was the king in the grain field, like I'm like David, but then he comes into the synagogue and says, I'm the Savior. Is it better to save life or destroy it? See, we, two th- we see two things at work here, really three. One, the religious leaders' response to Jesus. Jesus' response to them, and then the crowd. And the crowd would be us. 
Mark is writing these things to say, what are you going to do with this? Does Jesus have savior rights in your life, and does he have jurisdiction over your life? So he's asking these questions, not just to them, but he's asking it to us. It's what is Jesus to you? And like I said, Sabbath keeping was one of the most important things in their society. And why did Sabbath ever become this? Um, it's like, it's really interesting. So there's 613 Levitical laws, okay? 613. Sabbath laws really escalated. Um, they really escalated during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. So the Jews were taken captivity into Babylon for a long time, and they returned, and they started, started rebuilding the temple. Well, the problem was is they had this thing called the oral law, and they had this issue where they didn't quite have, um, they didn't have all their scrolls, they didn't have their Torahs, so there became this thing like the oral, like the oral tradition, and they started developing this, and, and a lot of it was these guys, these scribes, these Sadducees, Pharisees, uh, religious leaders, these pastors would just sit around and talk about the things they knew about the Torah, and they would add to it. So they would add to it. So already on top of the 613 laws, like in the book of, Levit- book of Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, they would talk about this. And so as they're coming back, they're reestablishing temple life. Well, unfortunately, back with them came all this jargon, all this added clutter that these guys had added to the law during their exile. So the... Um, um, so the... Uh, like the Talmud, anyone ever heard of the Talmud? It's a sacred Jewish writing. It's like the Mishnah, uh, Mishnah and Gemara, and it's derived mainly from the Pentateuch, and the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Like I said, most of these Jewish leaders, to become a rabbi or really even to have a bar or bat mitzvah back then, you would have to, go, you would have to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Memorize. Genesis is 50 chapters. That's book number one. So they memorize, I don't know, I can't remember, it's 100 and something plus chapters these people would memorize. So they hid the word in their heart, but, um, and they could talk about it a lot, but so like the Talmud was a compilation basically of their commentary and their add-ons to the Jewish law, to the Jewish first five books to the Pentateuch. And so when they came back, these new regulations and interpretations were not allowed to be written down. Because they're like, this is the oral law. But then eventually, after synods of Pharisees and meetings, they're like, no, we're going to write this stuff down. Because if we ever go away again, we want people to be able to have something to come back to. And they, what they did was they differentiated them between, they, they had a hard time differentiating them between the law of Moses and their own interpretation after a while. Any of you have ever a hard time sometimes differentiating what the Bible says and versus what your interpretation of it is? I remember one time someone told me, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> or like, like I grew up Jewish, and part of the Talmud is that God helps those who help themselves. Last time I checked, he's the defender of the weak. He helps the helpless. He's a father to the fatherless. Like God's pulling for underdogs. He helps those that no one else is helping. The Bengals. You know? 
you know? Uh, so that's, that's what he's doing. So interesting, there are 39 additional categories of the Shabbat law. Shabbat is Sabbath in the Talmud. 39 categories. Here's what a Jewish living website says, Chabad.org. The Sabbath laws are really quite complex, requiring careful study and a qualified teacher. At first, it's often overwhelming and seems like an impossible number of restrictions. No crap. Like, dude, 613? 613, like, law, and then they have 39 additional oral categories of Sabbath law? These people were bound up. Listen, some of us are really bound up by our own rules, by our own OCD, by our own limitations, by our own family codexes, or by our own interpretation, own interpretation of the scripture. Like, listen, if you take a, like, I, I think one of the real, the real challenges, uh, challenges today is, is a lot of people t- try to fit everything into the grace bucket. Well, Jesus is all grace. It's all grace, 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 grace. Or it's all la, 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 la. And the problem with that is, is like we start running off. So whenever lightning strikes that like, oh, well, you deserved it. You must have broke the law. Or, oh, no, it's okay. You do whatever you want. God, God saved you. You're always saved. Like you're good. It doesn't matter what you, what you do from here. He just loves you and wants to tickle you forever in heaven. And you're so great. You know, it's like, so there's somewhere, somewhere but. Uh, between this, and one of the things like in the vineyard that I love is one of the vineyard values is we say we're on the quest for the radical middle. It's like this kingdom theology that we allow room for balance. We allow room for grace and for truth. It said Moses came with the law, but Jesus Christ came in grace and in truth. And those, those poles that Jesus was, was middle, was willing, uh, like in the polarity of grace and truth, to offer like the paradox of his kingdom coming of the now and not yet. He was willing to say, listen, it can be both. You can both be saved by me and live for me. That it wasn't one or the other. And Mark's all about that. It's not just about this king with all these rules. But it's not just about this savior with all this love. And so it's very important to say that, that we can balance between like these poles in the scripture. There's even a New Testament and there's an Old Testament. And there's this sacred thing in between. Jesus says, like, listen, I, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass. I came to fulfill all of it. And the same God who said, hey, listen, you guys heap burdens on people that you yourselves are not willing to lift a finger to hold, but he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you have no place in the kingdom. How about that? Unless our righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not mocking you guys for honoring the law. I'm mocking, I'm not really mocking you, but like, I'm rebuking you because you're jerks about it. He said, the Sabbath, you weren't made for it. It was made for you. So some of the no-nos on Sabbath. Writing, erasing, tearing, conducting business transactions, driving cars or vehicles, shopping, Using the telephone. Isn't it interesting? Like, really? Did they have using the telephone like in the Talmud? <laughs> Turning off anything with electricity. Again, unless you're like on Gilligan's Island and they can make stuff out of coconuts. <laughs> you can't turn on lights. 
radios, television, computer, air conditioner. Like, like, these laws are ridiculous. Like, this is foolish. It's, it, it makes no sense. Like, think about it. These, these are things that didn't, didn't even exist 2,000 years ago, and they're making laws about them. Cooking, baking, kindling a fire, gardening, grass mowing, doing laundry. We're allowed to breathe, just not rapidly. <laughs> like, seriously, that's in, in the Talmud. Um, so Jesus, with common interpretive codes, Jesus broke the Sabbath by healing a guy's hand because he was doing the work of God. The disciples were hungry and they didn't already have their food prepared. They broke the Sabbath by walking through a field where work took place and by picking those things off and twisting them to eat the heads of the grain. According to their law, but according to like the straight up law, that wasn't anything that said that, but it was all these add-ins that they had See, and I think Jesus was making two points here because of the condition of their hearts. A lot of things, friends, Jesus is looking at us. It's like he's saying like, hey, you got that mostly right, but your heart about it's stinky. Like we can know the word, we can do the works, but if our way doesn't look like Jesus, then, then we messed up. Then people are gonna miss out and so are we. See, the kairos for Jesus' audience was that Shabbat was meant for human good, for restoration, for healing, growth, family, freedom, rest, not for bondage, legality, bullying, angst. It was about learning to connect with and hear from God and enjoy the fruit of our labors and the fruit of his love. And we see this, and we see this, like, uh, like this crazy juxtaposition of the work of Sabbath and the, um, the heart of Sabbath. And Jesus, like, that's kind of a big word, juxtapose. Juxtapose just means like an intersection. And there's this intersection that Jesus does in our lives where we know his word, and then we know and we do his works, but in the middle when they intersect in that sacred spot, there's his heart. There's his way. There's the way that Jesus is. Like I said, Jesus is not undoing Sabbath, but what people had done to it. Some of us, some of us have really religious, strict things, and Jesus say, it's enough, man. You don't need to tell everyone what you think about politics. You don't need to tell everyone what you think about abortion. You don't need to tell everyone what you think about drinking. You don't need to tell everyone what you think about sex. You don't need to tell everyone what you think about, spell it out. Not saying that there's no time for it. Not saying we're not supposed to, but he's like, that's not the move to lead in with. My love is. My heart is. Not saying any of those things are wrong. If you walk away from here thinking like, well, Ryan's like just wants to go to the wind. No, I'm not saying that. But that should not be our first move. Because when we do that, we can define things wrong. You don't, you don't make a definition in the middle of the paragraph. You look at the whole thing, right? And that's what Jesus is kind of doing here. So these people were, not, were upset, not for Jesus violating Sabbath, but like I said, for violating their, interpret, their interpretation of it. Where is the Bible offensive to you? 
I, I know there's things that the Bible kind of rubs me wrong on sometimes. I just can't understand. And I <clears throat> tend to file those things away or explain those things away. Like, is, is there anywhere the Bible's maybe offensive to you? Is there anywhere, like, we have, a, we have an age of women's, you know, like, we're like, uh, like the liberation of women is happening. And there's a lot of great things about it. There's a lot of great things about it. But some of it, if you look in the Bible, it's running too far. Or we look at human sexuality. Some of these things are, are like, we want to love people who they are, but we're redefining love. And the Lord says, like, listen, I'm not in that. I'm not in that. You can love people without supporting them. You can affirm people's worth as human beings without saying, I give you a free check and a free hall pass to do whatever you want. And so there's stuff even in God's word that I think is very offensive. And there's people redefining his word with new theologies or newer theologies, and we're redefining it. There's people who are putting mandates on people like, like you know, all, all, all the COVID stuff on both sides, that if you're not this or you're not that, you know, there's just like, we're, we're redefining, well, if you really love someone, or, well, if you're really not fearful, it's on both sides. And, Jesus, and I think what Jesus is speaking to there, Sabbath was a big bondage issue for them. There's a lot of big bondage issues, some of which I just mentioned in our culture. And I, and I wanna ask you, are you letting the culture or your experience define your interpretation of who Jesus is? Or are you letting Jesus and his word define who he is? Because it's easy to mess it up. It's easy to abuse people, or it's easy to abuse yourself, or it's easy to let people off the hook, or let yourself off the hook. And there's somewhere vacillating between those two that Jesus is like, I'm right here in the middle. Come to me and let me speak to you about these things. Turn off the news, turn off Facebook, maybe turn off like your own mouth, maybe turn off like your own brain for a little bit. I'm not saying Christians have to check their brain at the door, but sometimes I just need to and let it all go out and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying in our time? And that's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus wasn't redefining the law as much as he was embodying the real meaning of it as it was originally intended. See, Jesus isn't gonna redefine all the stuff I just talked about. He's not. But what he maybe wants to do is redefine it in our heart, reorient our hearts towards heaven. <clears throat> this was about a, a, one of the key tenets of the early oral law that was really interesting before all this stuff went sideways was the pukua nefesh. Pukua nefesh means that basically at Sabbath's core, it was about saving life. Interesting, they even let their fields rest every seventh year so they wouldn't destroy the field. They wanted the life of the field to be restored. God invited people into Sabbath weekly not to take anything with them, but he says, you'll actually live longer. Do you know people that take days off actually live longer? Do you know that? People that actually sleep well live longer. Like, it's interesting. Like, so he's not doing anything to put more bondage on us. He's saying, like, actually, what I'm saying will give you freedom. It'll give you freedom. Pakua nefesh sounds like hakuna matata. <laughs> what a wonderful phrase. Like, pakua nefesh. 
It means no worries. So, um, no, it doesn't. It means to save a life. So, um, sorry, reinterpreting. Um, so the question is, am I bring, like Jesus is saying, I am bringing God's kingdom to you in a way you haven't seen before. That's what he's telling these people. But really the question is to his audience then and now is what are we gonna do with it? We've heard from God, what's our response? What's your response? Remember Kairos was about, behold, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe the good news. That means think differently, live differently. Where's Jesus coming in that he wants to juxtapose what you've thought, what you've heard, maybe what he's really doing, and say, hey, because maybe it's not just chucking everything. Sometimes it's not always that. Sometimes it's just like, let me show you a better way. Come on, Ryan. There's sometimes, anyone ever been doing something and it's like super laborious, and then someone says, hey, have you ever tried this? And you're like, no, I, I'm really good at this. And then you watch it, I'm like, oh, well, that was maybe a little better than I was thinking. That's what a lot of this is like. Jesus is like, dude, this is easier than you imagine. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. You shouldn't have to spend all week to get ready to rest. Jesus wants us to work from our rest, not rest from our work. And Sabbath is gonna be a very hard thing for anyone, it was, it was for these people because they didn't have the connection with God that he was looking for, regular. They just stored it all up for, for, that, sat, for that Saturday. And so where, where is Jesus inviting you to shift your perspective and think about the world differently? Because like I said, I don't think Sabbath is as much of a problem like us like keeping laws on it as it is us just not obeying it. Sometimes Sabbath can just be like, Lord, I'm going to choose to obey you today. I'm going to take a break from being a selfish jerk who does my own thing. I'm going to take a break from running my mouth. I'm going to take a break from other people running theirs. Maybe you're an addict of something. And you're like, I don't see a way forward. Well, try to take a Sabbath today. Try to take one tomorrow and watch what... Lord does, and just say, will you show me the way out of this? Sometimes when we just rest and stop, God's like, here's the way. Here it is. The message is repent, is repent and change. The Sabbath was made for us, not us for it. And the Sabbath is not about not doing stuff, but it's about being and enjoying that being. We're human beings, not human doings. And this whole point today is not really about Sabbath, is it as much as we can take really good things and when we add on to them, they become really burdensome things. They become really heavy things. Like, think about this. I was reading this book. I've been reading this, uh, like this, great, this great book by a guy, uh, Pastor Ted Roberts, Pure Desire. And um, Ted Roberts talks about in this book, he says that, um, he says, interesting, he says, the Pharisee and the sinner both are very similar. He says that the people, like he was talking about sexual sin, that the church has been very hard on people with sexual sin. The church has been very 
uh, ignorant of helping people stuck in this bondage. And he was saying that, that the purity culture, that the purity, the I kiss dating goodbye culture, has actually been just as consumed with sin as the porn culture. And I'm like, okay, read more. And he says, because the purity culture is so consumed with not sinning, and these people are so consumed with sinning that at the end of the day that they're both consumed with sin. And Jesus is in the middle of like stay away from it or rush into it. He's like, how about I just hang out here and I pull you both towards me because you both need me. Because he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Do you know you can never be pure enough? That's a little bit of a play on words. Your purity can never be pure enough. Your badness can never be bad enough. My goodness can never be good enough. My nastiness can never be nasty enough because Jesus says, unless your righteousness, it's really, but then later we're commanded to put on his righteousness. And his righteousness did surpass that of the Pharisees. He kept all the law, not just parts of it that were convenient. And so where are, where are you maybe pharisaical or maybe where are you stuck? That's the invitation and the challenge today. That's the repent, and that's the belief. So I just want to take a minute, and I just want to pray. And I just really want you to just sit and soak just for a minute and say, Jesus. And, and, and honestly, a lot of us are both, aren't we? Like we make our own rules to protect ourselves and our families because we've made bad decisions and we don't want our kids. Maybe some of you parents are really pharisaical to your kids because you don't want them to be the little hooligans you were. And so it's done in love, but to them it feels like heavy bondage. They want to make some of their, not they want to make some of their own mistakes, but they need to. So let's just ask, ask the Lord and just which one, and just whatever it is, just confess it to him. Like, listen, this isn't like shaming day. This is like claiming day that we want to claim like the Lord's view of this. He came to save life, not destroy it. So this isn't as much about Sabbath as this is about having theological, philosophical, um, practical balance in our lives so times of refreshing can come. So Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to us today? I just kind of felt, I don't know if this is for someone. I know this is for me. I know, I think it's for some people here. I don't think it's just for one. I think there might be a lot of people who this is for. I feel like some of us are so consumed with saving. I feel like even some of the Dave Ramsey stuff is really great, but like I've even seen like some bondage and like some of that like in my own life. Like we're so concerned with saving and enveloping. But then other people, there's those of you who just have debt 
on top of debt on top of debt. And it's like, I think the Lord wants us to save and he wants us to spend, but I believe that kind of middle space is he also wants us to share. Like, is Jesus calling you to be more generous? Maybe stop spending, like just being about yourself so you can be more generous with others. Or maybe stop pinching so many pennies and be generous with others. I just feel like that's for someone, I just felt some conviction about that because I, I can get so worried about uh, money. Or maybe you're just consumed with Bible study. Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. But does the word indwell your heart richly and are you teaching it to other people in a way that they can digest? Maybe you don't even care about the Bible. You never read it, you never listen to it. Well, that's a problem too. Lord, would you just help us be a balanced church? Would you help us not to be a church that skips leg day, Lord? Would you help us to be a church that is um, heavenly minded and earthly good? A church that is pure, but a church that's fun. Lord, would you help us to be a church that um, cares about the poor, but then also doesn't leave our garbage all over the place? Would you just help us to be both, Lord? Would you help us to love Republicans and Democrats? Would you help us to love liberals and conservatives? Would you help us to love the unchurched and the hyper-religious? I pray we could be a place where everyone could play really nicely, Lord, that the ethos of the vineyard would be love. Lord, help us not to be rule adders or uh, rule evaders. Help us to let your rule and your reign have jurisdiction in our hearts and our lives. Lord, but I, I just repent for times when I'm just a mocking jerk and I lie and I cheat or I scheme or I fantasize or I objectify or I try to be smart or try to be tough or just, Lord, I, I'm just a fallen dude and I need you bad and I just know there's lots of our fallen dude and dudettes in here and I just pray that we would let you be our savior, save us from ourselves, but also be our Lord. Speak to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, hey, this week, I encourage you to read Mark chapter three and chapter four, because we're reading Mark as we're going through it. And share on our app. Share on, on the website. Like, listen, we're a church that it's okay to talk about your failures and your triumphs. It is, I, you can, you can do that up in here. But really, this is better when we interact. If you need prayer, Love to pray with you today. If you're kind of new, I'm going to scoot out there with the rest of the staff and meet some new people, but prayer team people, uh, if you could pray for people today. So we just love you, bless you, go sin less, and who day?